الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وذكر فإن الذكرى تنفع المؤمنين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انظروا إلى من هو أسفل منكم ولا تنظروا إلى من هو فوقكم فهو أجدر أن لا تزدروا نعمة الله عليكم أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most suspected mothers and sisters This is a great bounty and favor of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala has given us the tawfiq to spare a few moments to discuss something about deen, listen to something about deen. Indeed, these are the moments that are truly valuable. May Allah Ta'ala accept it, make it a means of great benefit for the speaker and listeners. May Allah Ta'ala make it a means of our hidayat. <coughs> this aspect that we have just discussed, the aspect of shukr, this is the very aspect which shaitan tries to deprive a person of and thereby deviate him from what his goal and objective is. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala describes the plot of shaitan. When shaitan was being rejected from the heavens, he was in that pedestal at that time where he was the Mu'allimul Malaika, the teacher of the Malaika. But then his pride came forward and he became rejected, debased, completely accursed till the day of Qiyamah and he was expelled from the heavens. At that time he exposed his plot and Allah Ta'ala mentions that for us in the Quran Sharif so that we will be alert, we will be aware of what is shaitan's plot and we will avoid falling in that agenda of his falling into that trap of his. So Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran Sharif, قَالَ رَبِّي بِمَا أَغْوَيْتَنِي لَأَقْعُدَنَّ لَهُمْ صِرَاتَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Shaitan mentioned at that time, that, Ya Allah, I will now remain on that straight path, sitting on the side, waiting to try and derail, try and waylay, try and hijack all the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. And then he says, لَأَقْدَنَّ لَهُمْ سِرَاتَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ Then I will come to them from the front, from behind, from the right, from the left, from every direction I will try and deviate them. And then he says, وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ That you'll find that the majority of them would not be grateful. So this is the direction from which shaitan attacks, the direction of ingratitude. That he makes a person ungrateful to Allah Ta'ala. And when a person becomes ungrateful to Allah Ta'ala, then that is the starting point of his slide and his retrogression, the starting point of his fall from the grace of Allah Ta'ala. So this is something to always bear in mind, that we have innumerable things to be grateful for, and to always keep expressing the shukr to Allah Ta'ala. Never to become ungrateful. Never to become those who forget the innumerable bounties of Allah Ta'ala. And in order to 
help us to become truly grateful among the many, many advices and the guidance that Nabi Salaam has given in one hadith, Abu Huraira radiallahu reports that Nabi Salaam addressed the Sahaba and said to them that unzuru ila man huwa asfala minkum that always look at the one who has lesser than you is always somebody or the other in fact numerous millions maybe billions who have lesser than us so always look at the one who has lesser than you wala tanzuru ila man huwa fawqakum don't look at the one who has more than you when it comes to the aspects of deen somebody has more tawfiq of doing righteousness somebody is more pious somebody has more tawfiq and ability to spend in the path of allah taala to do righteous works that is somebody we should look at and be inspired by what that person is doing to also try and do something more so in terms of deen we should be looking at those who are ahead of us but when it comes to dunya when it comes to the things of the world then never to look at those who have more than us always be looking at those who are less fortunate and Nabi Salaam says wala tanzuru ila man huwa fawqakum don't look at those who have more fa huwa ajdaru alla tazdaru ni'matallahi alaykum then it is more likely that you would not disregard the favors of Allah Taala upon you otherwise the person forgets all the bounties and ni'mat that Allah Taala has blessed one with and keeps complaining about the things that apparently one does not have whereas in place of those things which we think we don't have and others have we have so many other things but we don't focus on the other things that allah taala has blessed us with which others don't have and sometimes we are desiring what somebody else has but we have no idea with whether that is truly a ni'mat or it is a nikmat whether it is a bounty or whether it is a punishment the form might be the same it might appear outwardly to be the same one person has something and that for him is a bounty it's a great gift it's a nikmat it's something that he should be very very grateful he has it in the same form and shape and in the same manner another person has it but he got it through the disobedience of allah taala he got it without barakat outwardly looks the same but for him that is a punishment one person just told me about 2 3 days ago a little bit more maybe less than a week ago that he was involved in some issue somewhere out of the province i think it was somewhere some other province any case the issue involved a family and he says to me that the worth of that family meaning just that immediate family that household just the father the sons who all half a dozen sons and whatever else So he says to me, it's probably they worth more than six hundred million. Now, we might wonder, Subhanallah, six hundred million. If I had maybe just, even if they only give me ten percent to his fine, I don't want more than that. But he says to me that that entire household is in such a shambles. Not one person is talking to the other. The father is not talking to any any of the sons. None of the sons are talking to the father. All the brothers, nobody is talking to each other. and this is going on for so long and then what is not talking it doesn't mean that they are all silent there is a lot of abusive talk that carries on in principle they are all not talking because there's no good talk at all there's no courteous exchange of any thing at all but there's always this major drama that is carrying on 
and it has carried on for now such a period of time that the poor mother, the wife, the mother, she is now almost losing her mind. She is also almost on the brink of insanity because she can't handle this anymore. Now somebody from the outside sees just this and he is, his greed is now take, getting the better of him. I should have this in place of the person who has it. But if that comes, that particular wealth comes, the one that a person is looking at, which has come as a punishment to somebody, then it will come with whatever fire is in it. That wealth has fire in it, it will come with the fire. If somebody's wealth has got barakat in it, it will come with the barakat. But somebody else, we have no idea what it is. But the lesson here is, that we make shukar for what we have. We make shukar for what we have, we ask Allah Ta'ala for the good of dunya and the good of akhirat. But we don't look around at what others have and start complaining. That is the point. We make dua for everyone. Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with some bounty, some ni'mat. We make dua for them. Allah Ta'ala bless them with barakat in whatever Allah Ta'ala has given them. Allah Ta'ala increase their ni'mats and bounties. But we be grateful for what Allah Ta'ala has blessed us and we become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. That gratitude is not just restricted and confined to lip service, but the gratitude requires that we then become obedient to Allah Ta'ala and become His true servants. So this is the first aspect, the general point and the introduction to the topic that we have innumerable bounties, we have innumerable favors that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with and we have to be very grateful for this. If we just look around and we just give it a cursory glance, there are so many things that we just take for granted. Yes, in our country especially, we have a major crime problem. Everybody knows about it. But if we consider that there are so many places in the world which are totally devastated by war. Currently, as we speak, there are places that are war-torn. And people don't know where the next bomb will fall. They have no idea where the next, they might step onto some landmine. Their homes have been turned to rubble. They don't have a proper shelter over their heads. And the conditions that they are living in are extremely pitiable. Despite the crime that we have in our country, yet we have so much of afiat as well. How much of safety we are on a general note still enjoying? So yes indeed we have a crime problem, but we don't make sugar that comparatively how much better off we are than so many people throughout the world. Billions of people, we are so much better off. There are people who are living in totally insecure places, right in our country, where they have nothing more to secure themselves. They are living in a little shanty. People just kick the door anyhow, anytime they want, come and raid the place and anyhow, and walk out, and there's nobody to be able to ask a question also, because of the fear. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with so much of security compared to that, so to make shukar for that. Then in terms of all the food that we have. There are people who are starving in these countries, many countries where there is war, there is famine, there is droughts, there so many situations, severe situations. People are queuing up for hours in a line just for a handout, just so that they could, they could be able to uh, have something to eat, something to drink. So this is something that we need to reflect on, that how much Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. There are sometimes some occasions which require that a person spends a little more, have a little bit more of a luxurious meal, the day of Ashura comes, then other occasions come, 
in our case many a times it is a battle to decide now what luxurious meal to, to present and to provide because every other day there is a luxurious meal every other day there is something which is beyond the norm so this is the level that we have been blessed with so we should be reflecting how much Allah has given us then together with that if we think about the climatic conditions we think about the living conditions we think about so many things we can see all around us Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with so much, yet we unfortunately are always looking at something else. The grass always seems greener on the other side. But when a person gets there, it is often a different story. So we need to be grateful to Allah Ta'ala for the bounties that He has blessed us with. Then coming to the point that we have as the topic, this is a hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah's Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam urged us in the form of an advice, Nabi Sallallahu said to one person that اغتنم خمسن قبل خمسن that appreciate five things before five. In other words, five bounties of Allah Ta'ala, these are very special bounties. Appreciate them, value them, make the best of them, make the best of them meaning take the best benefit out of them before five, before these five conditions, before these five situations, before these five bounties are replaced with the opposite. So these are five very great bounties, very great benefits and blessings from Allah Ta'ala, but they don't always remain. Sometimes some things are there, some things are gone. So before it goes, Allah knows best how long a person has it, he should make the best of it. Making the best of it means that he should use it in the best manner possible, and take the best benefit for the akhirat out of it. So in this hadith, Rabbi Salaam says, اِغْتَنِمْ خَمْسًا قَبْلَ خَمْسٍ That five things, appreciate them before five others come in. What are these five things? The first thing Rabbi Salaam mentioned, شَبَابَكَ قَبْلَ harmik. Appreciate your youth before old age. Your youth, appreciate it before old age. وَصِحَّتَكَ قَبْلَ سَقْمِك And appreciate your health before illness, person is healthy, is fit, but he has no idea when something might just turn around. So appreciate that health before any illnesses come. And appreciate the wealth that Allah Ta'ala has blessed, no matter what quantity it might be, but it is better than the situation of somebody else who is lesser fortunate than, this, than us. So appreciate the wealth before poverty. Many places things turn overnight, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. But these are things to be conscious about. And then the fourth thing Nabi Salaam mentions, وَفَرَاغَكَ قَبْلَ شُغْلِكَ That the free time that a person has, the time that appears to be just really no, nothing in particular to be, to be required to be done in that time, free time, then appreciate that time before preoccupation comes in. That a person gets preoccupied with certain situations, conditions, and the person cannot think of doing anything else. And the last thing Nabi Salaam mentions, وَحَيَاتَكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ Appreciate your life before death comes. Now these are the five aspects that we will briefly discuss. That these are the things that we need to be very, very conscious about these ni'mats. And what to do with these ni'mats, how to utilize them, what to acquire for the akhirat from these ni'mats, these are the lessons that we have to take.
The first aspect that Nabi Sallallahu mentioned in this Hadith Sharif was that appreciate your youth before old age. When a person is young, the person has all the vigor, all the strength, all the energy and it is regarded as something to now just make merry, just to enjoy, just to do whatever a person pleases. There is one statement that ash-shababu shu'batum min al-junoon that youth is a branch of insanity. This doesn't mean that the person who is young is insane, but meaning that in the time of youth sometimes a person conducts himself as if there is some kind of insanity in the situation. An insane person, there is a clear, something is glaring that this is harmful, but the poor person doesn't have the understanding, he's insane, so he cannot distinguish between what is right and wrong, what is harmful and beneficial, what is good for him, what is bad for him, he cannot distinguish. Now, likewise, a person in the youth sometimes just refuses to be able to see the light. The person in the youth is insistent on doing certain things which are clearly harmful. He himself knows it's harmful, but he wouldn't listen to any reason. Now, that is a kind of insanity. A person wants to take some drugs, for example. He himself knows what's the harm in it. Before he took the first puff also, he was away, well away. He might have even told somebody else also, this is a very bad thing. But then he still decided to try something out, and one thing led to another, and then he became totally addicted to it. Now that is where this, but that's the meaning of this, that ash-shababu shu'batum min al-junoon, that this is a branch of insanity. Now what is the safe road in the person's youth, a person who takes the guidance and direction from his elders, from his seniors, they have seen life, they have seen what are the ups and downs, their hair has grown grey out of experience. It wasn't just something that happened overnight. They have seen how some people succeeded and how others failed. They saw how some people progressed and others didn't get anywhere. So life has shown them a lot of things. And now when they are guiding somebody who is young, it's not just for the sake of saying something, it is for the benefit of that young person, that look, this is the direction that you will find prosperity in, you will find happiness in, you will find goodness in. And this other road is a very dangerous road. There are a lot of great dangers, you will harm yourself, you will destroy yourself. Unfortunately, many a person regards this as a kind of punishment on himself in the youth, that I am being restricted, I am being held back, I want to enjoy my life, I want to have my freedom. Freedom, freedom is just something in the mind. There is no such thing as freedom in dunya. Allah Ta'ala has made us slaves and we will remain slaves. Now the option is either to be in the slavery of Allah Ta'ala, then the person truly becomes free within himself. But he'll remain in the slavery of Allah Ta'ala. He'll remain within the confines of Shariat and Deen. There'll be many things that he will have to stay away from. But then he'll be truly liberated from within. He'll find such peace, such contentment, when he has truly submitted himself, heart and soul to Allah Ta'ala. But when a person decides to be free from the restrictions that Allah Ta'ala has placed, now the person is still in slavery, but he's in the slavery now of nafs and shaitan. 
And now this person goes from one situation to the next. Now there is just this thought in the mind that I want to be free. So how does a person try to make himself free? He tries to make himself free by doing what he wants. For example, now he wants to take some substance, some drug, so he takes it. Now is he free? He's not free. Because now the next time he's hooked onto it, he cannot do without it. Now he became shackled by it. So now as much as after a while he realizes this is bad for me, but now he's in a terrible shackle. He is totally shackled and chained. Now is this freedom? That he can, he's allowed to do what he wants? A person, Allah forbid, got caught up in some illicit love. Now this is a terrible thing. And Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us that we should not touch fire because we'll get burnt. Now people unfortunately want to experiment with things. Now the person started experimenting and started touching fire. Now this fire has now taken over. So now the person is caught up in this haram. And he knows full well that this is something terrible. This is something destructive. It will destroy everything. It will destroy my whole life. It will destroy my family. It will destroy... People lost their businesses in the process. People lost what not. People lost their whole families. Now he knows all that harm. And he wants to now also steer clear of it. But he says that I'm just caught up. I just cannot. No, it's too, too deep. I'm too much in this grip of this. Now, is that freedom? That's not freedom. That's a terrible shackle that a person is in. So this is the aspect that freedom truly is in total submission to Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, zindagi, bebandagi, darindagi. In Urdu this is said very, very aptly, that zindagi, bebandagi, life, without this servitude to Allah Ta'ala. That if a person wants to live his life, but without the servitude to Allah Ta'ala, what is the zindagi, bebandagi, darindagi? This is the life of an animal. And that animal, that animal is then constantly chased from one side to the other. Somebody is waiting with a stick somewhere, somebody is waiting with a stone somewhere, and somebody is waiting to slaughter that animal somewhere. So that is the animal's life. And zindagi, bebandagi, sharmindagi. The life without true servitude of Allah Ta'ala, the end result of that is shame and embarrassment. Then a person loses one's izzat, loses one's respect. A person loses one's respect and izzat in front of one's own children, in front of one's family, in front of public, in front of anyone and everyone. But where it started off from, we wanted to be free. But that freedom, there is no such thing as freedom in dunya. So the only freedom is to submit to Allah Taala. So this is the first aspect, that where does this start from? It starts off in a person's youth. The youth is the time when the seeds are planted. And if the seeds of righteousness, the seeds of the obedience of Allah Taala, the seeds of piety are planted, then inshallah this will grow. And inshallah this will take a person further. And while a person is still young, sometimes some negative things creep in, some negative habits creep in. It happens sometimes, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. But if that is attended to in one's youth, then it's very much easier. It is like that little shoot that has started growing. But it's growing crooked. So now you take one stick and you put that stick in the ground alongside that shoot and then tie it and soon it will start growing straight. Oh, some weed has started growing. It's still a little weed. You need two fingers and you just pluck it out. But if you left it for a while, it's grown more, then you need one hand to pull it out. And if it's grown even more, 
one hand won't be good enough. You'll have to grab it with both hands. And if it was left even longer than that, there is that one story, Mawlana Rum Rahmatullah mentions about the person who, he had a thorny tree, little thorny tree outside his house, in his yard, but the thorns were falling in the pathway of the people, and people were complaining, and telling him that, look, this is causing some difficulty. But every time that somebody told him, he said, tomorrow, tomorrow, and this tomorrow carried on. And the tree grew, and it grew, and in the meantime, he was getting older and older, and weaker, and finally, when people were really being inconvenienced by it, somebody is getting hurt by it, somebody is getting scratched by it, then they reported him to the authorities. And now he got a notice. If you don't demo- uproot this tree by tomorrow, then you, this is going to be the fine. And we will come and remove it, and this will be the fine. And it was a very hefty fine. So now he decided to take the axe and come and chop it. But now, he was already weak, this was a huge tree, and now try as much to chop it, he just doesn't have the energy and strength. So now he needed somebody else's help to come with a, some kind of machine and remove it. So this becomes the situation thereafter, that without some external help, it is almost impossible within oneself generally to then get out of those habits. But where it started off from, the youth. That if a person doesn't look after that youth, it becomes very difficult later in life. Now there's two parts to this. One part is the youth themselves to recognize this very, very valuable time in one's life. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says that there are seven categories of people who Allah Ta'ala will bless them with the shade of the Arsh on the day of Qiyamah. On the day of Qiyamah, people will be actually drowning in their own perspiration. Some will be up to their knees, some up to their waist, some up to their collarbone. Some actually drowning in their own perspiration. All this will be to the extent of the sins of a person in dunya. And in this very, very difficult moment, there will be some people who will be enjoying the shade of the Arsh of Allah Ta'ala. Among these seven categories of people that are mentioned in this Hadith Sharif, one category is, وَشَابٌ نَشَأَ فِي عِبَادَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ That young person who spent his youth in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Now, what a wonderful thing this is. Allah Ta'ala loves it so much that a person in that youth, in that young life, in that moment of that vigor, that strength, all that energy, all the temptations being at their peak, and the person sacrificed all the things that were coming in the way, but didn't sacrifice the command of Allah Ta'ala. The person gave up whatever else came in the way, but didn't give up the link with Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala loves this so much, that on the day of Qiyamah, this person has this privilege to be under the shade of the Arsh of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the thing, on the one side is the aspect of the youth, that we value this time, we understand what a great opportunity this is, how great a bounty this is, and at the same time, we use this time correctly. We avoid all the things that will take us in some negative way, take us in the wrong direction, they will be friends, they will be people that are guiding us unfortunately in the wrong direction, we should recognize where this is taking us, what harm it will bring, and remain, for that little while it will seem like we are left alone, we have been abandoned, everybody seems to be enjoying themselves, but we will be the ones who will truly enjoy. There is always, when there is pain, there is gain. Obviously pain for Allah Ta'ala, pain for the right reasons. When there is pain for the right reasons, that sacrifice a person is making, 
the person is enduring, then that brings a lot of gain. But this is the system of dunya. There's some pain, there's gain then. And no pain, no gain. For deen, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهَدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُولَنَا Those who will strive in striving in that mujahada against that nafs, there is some pain. But that pain becomes very pleasurable. And it becomes the source of every joy of dunya and akhirat. So this is the one aspect in terms of the youth. Keep good company. Avoid any company that is negative. Company is not confined to human company. Human company, even the company of things, the media, devices, etc. Many a person unfortunately is getting caught up in these things and they are getting hooked in it. There's several people, every now and again people communicate asking for some advice or whatever. And many of them are finally confessing that I've become addicted. Somebody is addicted to YouTube, somebody is addicted to social media, somebody is addicted to the, just the phone in general, somebody is addicted, and they are genuinely concerned. One is a person doesn't have any bother. He's not even realizing that I'm addicted. We are talking about people who have accepted to make amends, who have decided to make amends. They are even putting certain penalties on them for doing what they have now decided not to do. But they keep writing that it's just like an impossibility for me. I have read the 10 rakats namaz also. I gave the 200 rand in sadqah as well. I made the 500 istighfar and the next day I fell again. Because this is so deep in me. I did whatever was required in, ter- in terms of trying to make a U-turn. But it's so deep that the next day I fell again. Now how do I come out of this? So they are confessing that they have become addicts to it. And unfortunately this has become a major problem in our time and era. That these media things etc. have made us addicts to all these devices. And this is not happening by chance. There are many articles that are out from western sources. That for example many of these video games and so on. It is designed in such a way that it is made addictive and people truly become addicted to it and there's an article that has come out the screen addicts that people actually become addicted to the screen they have to be watching something all the time and they just cannot do without it and these are all the things that when they are designing these kind of things they actually put certain kinds of devices on a person's my uh, they strap somebody up with all these kinds of electrodes whatever and then they make him watch that. And they see what is keeping the adrenaline level, levels high. So if somewhere at some point it seems like that is not keeping it high enough, then they change the scene to keep those adrenaline levels at a certain point. And now over time, person is watching this repeatedly, it creates major havoc for the person's physical self, for his mental self, and obviously for his spiritual self. Then there are people who get married, and after getting married, they still cannot now change that what has become part of their addiction. So now what the end result of that is obvious. So one is the part of the youth that we recognize these issues, stay far away from it. There's a little bit of mujahada involved, but we will see what great benefits this will bring to us. And then the other part of it is, is the parents. That we look after the youth of our children. That we guide them, we provide an environment that is conducive, that there's talim in the home, that there are discussions of deen, there's 
We are guiding our children towards righteousness, warning them, giving them advice to stay away from things that are, that are harmful. Otherwise, then a time comes when that tree has now grown with the thorns and with the weeds have grown very big. It becomes very difficult later. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So this youth is the first thing to be very concerned about. And youth is something that nobody has any second thoughts about that this will not remain forever. Nobody is under any illusion. Though we try to pretend to be young after a certain age, but everybody knows every day that is ticking that youth is going by and soon old age will take over. So this youth will never remain. Many a person is gone in that youth already. And those who live past that youth, then very shortly it seems like what happened? Where's all that strength? Where's all that vigor? All that energy I had? Everything is gone. So in that youth, there's much that can be done. Turning to Allah Ta'ala, making more ibadat, doing work of deen, helping people, being an asset to ourselves, an asset to others as well. So all this is something we can do in our youth. It just requires a little bit of just perseverance, staying away from things that are harmful, staying away from things that have a negative influence, and inshallah we'll see what happiness this will bring to us in dunya and in akhirat. So this was the first aspect that Nabi Islam mentioned, that appreciate your youth before old age. On this note of looking after our youth in terms of the parents, one aspect is of extremely crucial importance is that the education that we give our children. The education that we give our children, sometimes it's only confined to the circular education. After a certain point in time, the child has now gone to grade 6, grade 7 in the maktab. That's the end of it. Then there's no maktab education at all. And now the child is ex- totally exposed only to the school and then university and whatever that environment is all about. One is the negative effect of the environment on the akhlaq, on the morals of the child. That is one aspect. But the other aspect is on the aqaid of the child. How many very shocking things have happened where somebody had totally lost their deen. One person, he took his grandchildren along for Umrah. And when they... Now he's with his grandchildren and they came to the to Makkah Mukarramah so the, she took them now for tawaf and now they past 10-12 years old and he's telling them that this is the Kaaba Sharif this is the house of Allah Ta'ala. so he said the house of Allah something or the house of the Lord or whatever he said so that child who's 12-13 years old is saying to him but isn't Jesus the Lord now he had him in a private school somewhere Christian ethos school but the child is growing up with this. And right in Makkah Mukarramah, in front of the Kaaba Sharif, the child is asking him, isn't Jesus the Lord? Then one person, his son was somewhere in university, he now came home for the holidays, it was Ramzan, or rather he was still there, and the father phoned and said something about Ramzan, or you fasting, uh, how was the fast, or whatever he asked him. So this youngster very coolly replies to his father, that I don't know whether I even believe in that anymore. Nauzubillah. One person went for some part of some school program to another country and spent a year there and came back from a very deeny, conscious home. When he came back, he started talking things which were completely negating of Iman. The father told him, let's go for Salah. He says, no, he doesn't believe in Salah anymore. 
Now, these are very, very major things. There are those who have started believing in evolution to be reality in Auzubillah, which negates so many ayat of the Quran Sharif. These are not minor things, these are major things. These are things that totally take a person out of the fold of Islam. And these are things happening. Some expose it, some don't say it so, so boldly, but these are things happening. So we need to be very alert, very cautious. The dini education must continue. That must never stop. Perhaps it might not be every day to the extent that it was happening in the maktab time, meaning in the formal manner every day. But informally there should be something every day to start off with and some formal dini education as well. They are going to somebody, in the case of our sons, to some alim, thrice a week, twice a week also, they are learning something, it might be even just some fiqh, some diniyad, they are learning some akhlaq, they are learning something or the other, and this will help to keep, keep them in contact with that alim. Our daughters, there is somebody in the community that can teach, that has the ability to impart some deen to them, we keep that continuing. At least at home, that must carry on. The talim in the home, this education must continue. It must never stop. Allah forbid, otherwise the external influences will start creeping in in such a way that we won't even realize what happened until it is too late. So this is the aspect that we have to be very conscious about in terms of the education of our children. Then another very important thing in terms of the youth, in terms of our daughters. The time that we are living in, the manner that everything is going at a speed towards the western lifestyle. So the same thing unfortunately has creeped into our communities as well. That every girl also must be very highly educated in terms of the circular education. She must also have a career and all these things that go along with it. But have we realized what is doing? What kind of homes are there? It's creating thereafter. When she gets married, is she ready to be a mother, a wife, and fulfill the true role of a wife, of a mother? She is now career-orientated, so now that becomes the first primary objective. And the children, the children then in commercial care. So the commercial care children, so today the parents pay for the children's care, a time comes, Allah forbid, the children then just pay for the parents' care. You kept us in daycare, we keep you in old care. This has become, unfortunately, the situation in many places. Many, many places. In one place, this is becoming now out of the sheer need. The sheer need in one place, they are actually putting up some, you may call it whatever, old age home, call it a care facility for the old age. Because people have been abandoned in Christian homes. Elderly people have been abandoned by their children in Christian homes and in Christian centers. Because say, well, you paid for... Nobody says it in those words, but in action that is what the statement is, that you paid for daycare for us, we paying for old care for you. We'll sign the check anytime, whatever amount, no problem. But we got no time to look after you. And we can't be encumbered, we can't be burdened with looking after you. That has become the case. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So... What is required is that we have to nurture our children, especially our daughters, for the role that they have to play. The role to be caring for their families, to be taking care of all the needs of their families, to be nurturing, looking after and nurturing their children themselves. Not entrusting it to somebody else, some commercial care. 
commercial care? Obviously, it was commercial care. Out of sheer necessity, somebody had to now ask some family member, please look after my child for a few days or for a circumstances sometimes. That's how somebody will do it out of love. That's something else. But commercial care, commercial care is only commercial. So that brings up children with commercial values. They don't know what's the value of parents then. So this is something to be conscious about, that we bring up our daughters, we give them the training that is required for them to become the proper, those who will be true wives and true mothers, who will bring up the true personalities of the Ummad. And that requires that they are given those home skills. One person told me that somebody is running a cause. I asked him, what cause? He says, no, young girls come. So it's like a one-month cause. They teach them how to sweep, how to iron, and how... I said, subhanAllah, they have to teach them how to sweep. In some, they have to pay for a course to teach how to sweep, to pay for some course to teach them how to iron. All this was done for free. They learned it from their mothers. They learned it in their homes. Now they have to go out. See, well, nobody is at home. So they have to be taught out somewhere. But now money is abundant. But everything is in a shambles. So the thing is, that these are all cash causes now to just get them ready for the next phase of life. But cash causes often result in crashes. The system is not used to doing something. In fact, these are not, one doesn't feel comfortable talking about these things, but these are aspects of Ibrat. That very recently there was one issue. One couple that are married now, maybe about a year or so, and there was a big issue. And that issue stemmed out of, out of one of the things that now this young girl got married but she was never used to washing dishes. So now that becomes a major frustration for her because they, don't, they can't afford a maid to be there every day so the maid comes twice or thrice a week. But the, the rest of the days now there's still obviously things to wash. But that becomes a major frustration for her. And sometimes the husband is not prepared to help because he's too tired. So now the whole fight is starting off over washing dishes. That that, as say, Pani Perdia, that he came to washing dishes that is throwing water over the whole marriage. La hawla wa la illa billah. Can we imagine, had we even, could we even think, in, if we go just 20 years back, 30 years back, if this was ever mentioned at that time, that something like this can become the means of rocking a marriage, and say this is insanity, this is absurd cannot happen, it's impossible. Unfortunately, these are things that are happening in our time. But what is the root of it? The root of it is that everybody had to be trained to become a career person. Everybody had to become very, very highly educated. So now that, edu- that training of, that you need to run the home. You need to know what to do, how to run that home. And it's a full-time job. This is not just a by-the-way thing. Running the home is not a part-time job. It's a full-time job and it's more responsible than the person going out to earn that living. Because this is what keeps everything going well. Now, this is what we have to train our daughters for. We have to train them, give them the right training, keep them at home so that they become accustomed to doing all these things. And in time, they can do the job as it's required. They have the ability, they have the skills and, they, and it's part of them. It's not just something by the way. Otherwise, sometimes a person learns how to do something, but that's not something that a person is accustomed to doing. So now one day, one week, one month, and it becomes a frustration. I can't carry on doing this. This is not my job. So that's another point for us to keep in mind in terms of the youth, that in the youth we give them the good, 
training for what their role of life will be. Nevertheless, this is the first point only of the Hadith Sharif, but just to now go through the rest of the four points. The second thing Nabi Islam mentioned was Sihataka Qabla Saknik. That appreciate your health before illness. Health is a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. And it is something to be looked after. It is not something to take lightly. When a person doesn't have health, then a person realizes what a great na'mat, what a great bounty of Allah Ta'ala this is. One person, Hazrat Mufti Mahmud <coughs> mentions this incident, which is in the kitabs of one king, who suddenly had a problem, he could not relieve himself, he could not pass water. And at that time, now all the physicians failed, and he was in this excruciating pain. There was some buzruk at that time. Any case, to just get to the point of it, the buzruk was consulted, and in order to teach the king a lesson, he told him that, look, I have the medication for it. Because people said he has something, maybe he, he will be able to give you something to relieve yourself. Say, I have something, but it's very expensive. Half your kingdom you'll have to use to pay for it. So he agreed because he was in that desperation. So he signed up half the kingdom. All the documents were quickly prepared. And when the documents were in his hand, he administered some medication, read something. Now the problem became that this person, his, he was just uncontrollably passing water. Just nothing is, it's just non-stop. He became even more perturbed than initially. Came back. Said, please now, this is something even worse than the initial condition. So he said, well, this will cost the second half of the kingdom. He said, whatever it is, take it. Now that he administered the medication and he came right, so the Buzruk said to him, that look, don't touch anything, nothing belongs to you. So he said, well, okay, but just give me some respite. He said, no, you rather go in some graze, some animals in the pasture somewhere and earn a living for yourself. Nothing belongs to you. It all belongs to me now. <coughs> so when this person got really ashamed of himself now, that how, what is he going to do next? And this Buzuk said to him, look, I don't want one thing of yours. You can keep it for yourself. But remember that this is the worth of your kingdom. That the worth of your kingdom is one glass of water. That to drink some water also, if you don't have, if you are so thirsty that you are dying of thirst, and somebody presents to you a glass of water to drink it, then and in return the person wants a kingdom, you'll give it. And in order to be able to pass this in a comfortable way, you will be able to, you'll part with your kingdom for that also. So remember what is the worth of your kingdom. It's nothing. He wanted to teach him this lesson, but the lesson in that for us is that how valuable is this health? That for that health, the person was ready to give his whole kingdom. So many a times, we, people hanker after the material things in such a way that they destroy their health. So what is the value of that? When a person has lost his health, he can't even benefit from the wealth also. So the health is something which is a very great na'mat of Allah wa ta'ala and is something that we need to be very conscious about, look after it, don't overindulge in eating things which are harmful, etc. Otherwise, later on a person has tremendous difficulty. The main problem becomes that a person now cannot do that type of ibadat that was possible in health. person cannot make that kind of khidmat of deen. So many things become difficult. Over time, over age, all these things do come about, but deliberately one should not do things that will harm the health.
The third thing Nabi Salaam mentioned was, وَغِنَاكَ قَبْلَ فَقْرِقْ That look after and appreciate your wealth. Be very conscious of this ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Appreciate the wealth before poverty comes. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Many places things changed overnight. Once I went to some neighboring country, one of the neighboring countries. So while driving through one street with a local person, so he's pointing out that look this building is huge. One multi-story building. He says we own this one. This one here we own this one. He says after the revolution we own nothing. Overnight, we meaning his grandfather whoever had owned it at that time, overnight everything was gone. The next morning people went to their factories, they went to their businesses, wherever <coughs> soldiers were standing on the way, on the road. He said, now give the key and if you want to work for us, you can come, we'll work out your salary and so on, otherwise you can carry on. Overnight, everything was gone. Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala protect the life, the wealth, the health, the honor, the dignity of every Muslim, Allah Ta'ala grant barakat in every person's risk, but at the same time, we should be taking a lesson. From things around us, we should be taking a lesson. So this wealth Allah Ta'ala gave us, this is not for squandering. This is not for splashing out on things that are total waste, let alone splashing out on haram. Because of wealth, many a person gets caught up in so many haram things, and then Allah forbid that wealth sometimes goes to the head, and a person in that state of intoxication of that wealth, starts even boasting over the haram. That becomes such a dangerous thing that the person's iman is now at stake. The person did something wrong. For example, the person had a wedding that was involving all, all kinds of haram activities. Then on top of that, the person then boasts about it. There was recently some article that was published about people before weddings and other times, whatever. They go to some male... Uh, makeup artist now that male makeup artist some Hindu person he is the makeup artist and now he is administering this makeup on all these Muslim women and uh, obviously what goes on and when this was pointed out so many came out to defend themselves and to say that we don't see anything wrong in it that is worse than the sin itself now this is the intoxication of wealth without deen. There's no deen, so that wealth becomes intoxicating. And now in that intoxication of wealth, now a person starts making statements which put iman on the brink. And Allah forbid sometimes it goes off. That iman is gone then. Now a person is boasting about the haram, boasting about it in public, putting it all over social media, and actually feeling proud about it. Allah forbid that this is now really, one doesn't have words for it, that how dangerous this is. But where does this come from often? It comes from the intoxication of wealth. My money, I'll do as I want. Nobody must tell me what to do with it. It's not mine. We should remind ourselves, it's not mine. It's a trust from Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat, enjoy it in a halal way. Enjoy it in a way that you can benefit from it, your family benefits from it, let others also benefit from it. Those who are less privileged, share some with them as well, but all within the boundaries of Shariat. And when we overstep those bounds, then we are inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. So, this is the thing about wealth, that not to think of it as our own private property, but always to be conscious 
that this is something that is a great gift from Allah Ta'ala, but it is also a test. Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one of the other sahaba, he says that, Ubtulina biddarra fasabarna, that we were tested with adversity, we passed the test. We made sabr, we passed the test. Ubtulina bisarra falam nasbir. And then we were tested with prosperity. But we did not manage to make sabr. He's talking about it from his level. Where they might have just by chance went into some little bit of luxury. Little bit. That luxury of theirs is like ultra simplicity for us. And that he's saying we didn't pass the test. But the lesson in that was that prosperity and affluence is also a very big test. And the question is, are we passing that test? So, this is also something to always be conscious about, that this wealth is a gift of Allah Ta'ala. And if it is not appreciated, appreciated by using it correctly, appreciated by spending on the poor, the needy, the less fortunate, helping our fellow Muslims, helping people in need, enjoying that ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala ourselves also, but not that this is then used in a way that is haram. So, when that is appreciated correctly, Allah Ta'ala will grant even more barakat, Allah Ta'ala will make it a means of even greater benefit for us. Then the aspect about Nabi Islam says of that appreciate your free time before you become preoccupied. Now, in our context we'll say, but where is the time free? Do we have free time? Now somebody will say that I got so many things to do, where's the free time? So you say, what you got to do? So, yes, there are things to do, but there are so many things beyond what previously anybody had to do. Nowadays, a good amount of the work is all by pressing buttons. Previously, they had to grind that flour first, let alone just make the roti. They had to grind the flour first, and then make the roti. And everything had to be done by hand, manually. Nowadays, a good amount of it is all done by pressing buttons, and it's all done. But there's so many things more now. All the things that we got ourselves involved in, which don't leave time. Now, the social media and we have to be attending some various unnecessary things here and there, and some social gatherings that are just, just for the sake of social gatherings, and then there's unlimited manicures and pedicures and whatever else. But now the time to cure our spiritual ailments, there's no time for that. All the manicures and pedicures have taken the time of curing our spiritual ailments. If we look into the lives of our predecessors, the mother of Hazrat, Mawlana Yahya Khandalwi Rahmatullah Alayhi Hazrat Mawlana This is just one example of many What was her Ma'amulat And her daily practices Apart from seeing to all the household work Apart from attending to all the day-to-day chores That others had to attend to And at that time In that zamana When everything was done manually Her ma'amulat way One was One manzil of the Quran Sharif daily That's about seven paras daily so, roughly about seven paras daily was the tilawat. Apart from that, five thousand times durud sharif daily. Then, Allah, just reciting Allah, Allah's name, Allah, 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 five thousand times. Five thousand durud sharif, five thousand Allah. And then, twelve hundred times, la ilaha illallah. Twelve hundred times, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And a whole list of other tasbihat and so on, in total which amounted to approximately 18,000, 5,000 Durud Sharif, 5,000 Allah, Allah, that's already 10,000. 
and a whole lot of other tasbihat and so on, all amounting to roughly 18,000 daily. Apart from that one manzil, about six and a half, seven paras of Quran Sharif Tilawat daily. And then always performing her tahajjud and awabin, etc. Now she had time for all this, so somehow we just don't have time to even decide one, one ruku also. We don't have time to read even one tasbih of istighfar. Why? Because we have used our time, we have put it into these things, so it has taken all our time away. But if we start making some adjustments, nothing happens overnight, but we set a program. Come what may, I must make so much of tilawat daily. For a start, even two rukus. Building up slowly, minimum quarter para a day. The more, the better, but the bare minimum quarter para a day, but starting off even with one ruku a day, building it up to a quarter para, and then when that is established well, even increasing on that also, some tasbihat, one tasbih of istighfar, one tasbih of durud sharif, and reading some with the mashwara of authentic people, ulama ikram, some authentic books of deen. So we'll see what benefit this will bring to us. Now we got enough free time. We got time to read about messages that are coming from here, there and everywhere, from people who don't know us, who don't care about us. But their messages also we are reading. But the message of Allah Ta'ala, the Quran Sharif, we haven't got time to read that. So this is the thing now to appreciate this free time. Don't occupy it with all these futile things. Spend this time, some time of it at least, in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, in ibadat, in tilawat, in zikr, some amount. And in a prof- constructive way, inshallah we'll see what barakah this will bring to our household, to our homes, to our lives. And we'll see the benefit in dunya and obviously in akhirat. And then the last thing Nabi Islam mentioned, وَحَيَاتَكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ Appreciate your life before your death comes. Every moment we are reminded of death. Every now and then we hear about somebody or the other having passed away. There are all the time some things that give us the direct reminders of death. And the indirect reminders are all the time in front of us. This is something that we unfortunately become very unmindful of. And then suddenly our time is up. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we use this time, we use this life in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us. This life is not going to remain forever, everybody knows that. Everybody, no matter who he is, he accepts that death is coming. But when it comes, nobody knows. We have to prepare ourselves before that time. May Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we appreciate all these favors of Allah Ta'ala and every favor, every bounty of Allah Ta'ala, we use it in the correct way and may Allah Ta'ala make us those type of servants who become truly obedient to Him. And Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا لِلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين